1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's the biggest week of the sports calendar. We got college football in full swing, pro football in full swing, the start of basketball season, start of hockey season, baseball playoffs, and the WNBA finals between the Liberty and the Aces. Bet Online Sportsbook has you covered, and if you use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description of this episode, no matter the sport. Bet online where the game starts. <laughs> Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping in to another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast Live. On the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. It's the whole purpose of this podcasting thing. You can listen however and whenever it is you so choose. We appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is that you may be choosing Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody. It's a fantabulous Thursday, October 19th according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we still appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. We have got a fun, fun show planned for you today, an action-jam-packed sports radio Thursday with our friend Juju Talk Sports. As you guys know by now, Juju and I do some podcasting, some YouTube work together. He's a frequent flyer here on the show, and... Uh, over the last week, we've had a chance to get together, talk about a bunch of fun topics around the wacky world of the NFL, uh, and I wanted to share a bunch of those with you today from uh, our YouTube channel, the Slump Buster YouTube. You can check that out uh, with the link in the description to this episode. If you want to watch us, watch this video media, this audio medium on video. You can check that out as well. Juju and I have a lot of fun putting these shows together and these YouTube clips. Uh, today on the show, we are going to talk. Talk about the rookie quarterbacks in the NFL. This is a video that got a lot of traction. Over a thousand of you checked this out on YouTube. I'm actually going to see what the latest number is at because it was at a thousand the last time I checked. But you guys came through in droves to support this video. Normally we get in the couple hundreds. This one came through with thousands of you. Tuning in to watch it. Yeah, over 2,000 of you now wanted to hear about Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud and where things stand for those guys. We're going to talk about how the pittsburgh steelers are 3 and 2 cuz i don't understand how the fuck the pittsburgh steelers are 3 and 2 maybe you guys can help me understand how the pittsburgh steelers are 3 and 2 by leaving comments either on our podcast or in the the youtube video talking about the pittsburgh steelers being 3 and 2 despite the fact that i don't understand at all how the steelers are 3 and 2 or how they're 9 and 4 over their last 13 games nothing about that makes sense we'll talk about that today on the show and We will have a conversation about the New England Patriots, which is a topic that Juju's been hot on, and this idea of firing the general manager, Bill Belichick, but keeping the coach, Belichick, in place, and why, one, that's never going to happen, because, quite frankly, who the hell is Bill Belichick going to answer to on NFL football stuff? And secondarily, it's not as simple as, we can just replace one of the greatest coaches of all time and assume that things will get better as a byproduct of moving on from him. And uh, we'll talk about that as well here on the show. Uh, First off, let's talk about some rookie quarterbacks. Like I said, 2,000 of you so far have already been curious and checked in on this wonderful, wacky conversation. And uh, let's uh, continue that conversation here today on the show with our friend Juju Talks Sports from the uh, Slump Buster YouTube
0: channel. We've got a little bit of sample size to work with, with our rookie QBs. We've got to see Bryce Young play some games. we got to see some CJ Stroud. we got to see some Anthony Richardson-ish. We haven't got to see enough Anthony Richardson because unfortunately the guy can't stay on the field. Uh, CJ Stroud, what we've seen so far is looking sensational and so sensational that it's kind of giving Carolina Panthers fans a little bit of worry as they kind of projected to the future. And they're like, damn, this CJ Stroud guy is looking pretty good. He was drafted two right behind the guy we drafted. Um, if you're a Panthers fan, uh, rate the worryometer one to ten. Like a six,
1: I would say, because the Panthers are pretty easy to explain right now. The Panthers are a football team that the past four seasons has gone five and eleven, five and eleven, five and twelve, six and eleven. A football team that has been consistently like Sacramento Kings Purgatory added Bryce Young and nothing else. In fact, they got rid of their number one receiver and replaced him with nothing else.
0: No, 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 no. They dropped Bryce Young. I will dispute the nothing else. Adam Thielen has been very good for my fantasy team. Thank you very much, sir. And Miles Sanders is a talented running back. I don't care what anyone. And the Philadelphia Eagles organization said that was holding him back for years. Miles Sanders is good at football.
1: Miles Sanders is good at football. You know who else is good at football? Christian McCaffrey. He's no longer on that team. Carolina basically just took Bryce Young and dropped him into a 5-12 and team. And he looks like a guy playing for a five and 12 team. Now, granted, he missed a game because of injury, but through the four games, he looks like a quarterback playing with a five and 11 team as a rookie. And he's been fine. The Panthers may be zero and five, but they are not the worst team in the NFL. Like all of the advanced numbers back up the fact that just because they're zero and five doesn't mean they're the worst team in the NFL. Like they're kind of about the same team as last year. Honestly, they're like the 24th best team in the NFL at this point or 26th best team in the NFL. But Yeah. Panic meter like 6.5. I think the bigger worry for the Panthers is there's a world right now where you just traded Caleb Williams, Jalen Carter and DJ Moore for Bryce Young. That's the thing that sets franchises back years is like no matter how good Bryce Young is, you cannot give up a number one draft pick Jalen Carter and DJ Moore in exchange for a franchise quarterback that you're unable to build around. That would be giving me more worry than any performance Bryce Young has given so far. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but again just getting compounded by the fact that cj stroud has looked good and i'll admit i was skeptical of cj stroud in fact go back we did a bryce young cj stroud video we we talked about it before on the channel we both thought the bryce young was going into the better situation far and away was going into the better situation because i mentioned the addition of that of the and i mentioned the miles sanders edition in a positive light you know what else i mentioned in a positive light Frank Reich. I thought the fact that he gets to start his career with an offensive-minded head coach was going to be to his benefit, but I look what's going on right now in Houston with D'Amico, defensive-minded head coach, former 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryan's. D'Amico has got a unit over there in Houston that's started to become a little bit fun to watch. Game Will Anderson also in the top five has been a huge addition for that team as well. But C.J. Stroud is putting up production that not only a rookie quarterback it would be insane for, but for just any quarterback. Again, I've gushed over Purdy for weeks here because he doesn't put the ball in harm's way, no interceptions uh, this season. Well, guess what? C.J. Stroud also doing that. C.J. Stroud has not been picked off yet this year. Um, He would have led the game-winning drive for the Houston Texans this past week, a week after decimating the division-leading AFC North pittsburgh Steelers. a week after doing that he almost led a comeback drive or would have led a comeback drive against the atlanta falcons falcons apparently desmond ritter heard about our benching video and decided you know what i'm just gonna pull one out of my ass here and win this game managed to get young way and in field goal range and falcons stole that one but we're, this texans team could have very easily had their third win of the season and it would have been impressive in doing it so cj shroud deserves all the credit in the world for what he's doing and I'm excited for his career. I mean, there's even a narrative starting build. Is he the best young quarterback in the AFC South?
1: Not only is CJ Stroud doing it with all the the points that you mentioned, in addition, his number one receiver is Nico Collins, and he has had four starting offensive linemen that have been out this year. Tunsil's back now, but Tunsell missed games early in the season. Kenyon Green, former first round pick, he's on IR. His season, I think, might be over. Josh Jones, the guy they traded for to start at left tackle in place of Tunsil, he's been out so far this season. And Juice Scruggs, which is an excellent offensive lineman name to Scruggs has been out for the entire season so far for the Texans. So doing this without his starting offensive line has been equally impressive for our guy, CJ Stroud I are the same points that you did. And just think CJ Stroud looks like a 10 year starter in the NFL right now. Like, like all the evidence so far is pointing to the fact that regardless of what the Texans do to support him, whether uh, I forgot the name the offensive coordinator but he came from San Francisco whether he is able to stay with Stroud for years and years and whether or not the Texans are able to support him appropriately CJ Stroud looks like a 10-year NFL starting quarterback and that puts him in a class of one of the 16 best quarterbacks in the NFL maybe the 12 best quarterbacks in the NFL if I feel confident walking away saying, that guy is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL for 10 years. Uh, I think CJ Stroud has been really, really good and is on his way to winning offensive rookie of the year. And even if the Texans finish kind of mid, I think they've already exceeded my expectations for this year. If they're a scrappy seven and 10 who knocks a couple teams from the playoffs out, then uh, I think you chalk this up as a very successful season for the Texans and feel like they're actually building towards something.
0: So Bobby Slowick is the name you were looking for. He was the passing game coordinator for the 49ers previously before falling to Miko over to Houston. So, you know, if CJ Stroud's season continues, Bobby Slowick is going to be at the top of most vacant head coaching list or demand for hiring a new OC. So Bobby Slowick putting his name out there. You mentioned that you have reaffirmed that CJ Stroud is a 10 year starter in the NFL, I would like to say, based off what I've seen when he's on the field, that Anthony Richardson has shown a similar ability to be a 10-year starter in the NFL. The problem is the fact that he's been hurt three times in the first five weeks of his NFL career has me wondering if Anthony Richardson could even be a five-year starter in the NFL, not to any fault of his own other than through injury, because we know how physical he is. We know how gifted of an athlete he is, but he just can't keep playing this way if it's going to keep knocking him out of the game. So he has a shoulder injury he's dealing with right now. He's going to miss a few weeks. That's what the word is out of Indianapolis. And it's a shame because I thought that out of these three quarterbacks, especially in his rookie year, he could have shined with Shane Steichen as the head coach in Indianapolis. We talked about Anthony Richardson before on another video. And we said that he does have the skills in this offense to succeed. He can't succeed if he's doing it on the sidelines. And that's what we're, we've seen a lot about Anthony Richardson. So health, I mean, health is a big factor for any NFL player, but how much more concerned are you seeing Anthony Richardson through the early goings here?
1: I mean, the injuries are a big deal, right? Anthony Richardson is a quarterback with a big physical body, and if injuries start to derail his career, it's one thing that could fall one after the other. Now, granted, the two injuries they've had so far are concussion and shoulder, which uh, last time I checked are two of the most chronic injuries that you can find so far for quarterbacks or for any NFL players in terms of, like, possibility for this having long-term effects on your career. I don't know where Anthony Richardson stands at this point, but I know that, and this is something that we probably all overlooked, the start of the season the Colts are very talented the Colts are a team that used to be you know in the seventh seed purgatory going between the Carson Wentz's and the Phillip Rivers and everything else most of those talented players still play for the Colts and the Colts are probably the second best team in the AFC South think talented players supporting a quarterback like Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew for at least the next month or so it would look like. Supporting Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew in the short term leads to results like beating the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, in the sense for the Colts, I, I, Indianapolis do not really have any sample size to work with on Anthony Richardson, in part just because of the injuries. I mean, like you said, he's looked fine. He's thrown the ball really hard. Michael Pittman Jr. likes playing with him, but we really have no sample size to build on with Anthony Richardson.
0: Yeah, and it's concerning. I I guess I'm just scared for the player, just like seeing him get so banged up here in the first few games of his NFL career because I just have to project outward because at some point he's going to be asked to play a full 17-game season. At some point, if the Indianapolis Colts are going to do anything during his tenure with them, he's going to have to play a full season. And I just wonder if we're ever going to be able to see a full maximization of everything good that is Anthony Richardson if he's just not able to stay on the field, if you're an Indianapolis Colts fan, you certainly have felt this pain before with Andrew Luck. Hopefully we're not seeing history repeat itself with um, Anthony Richardson, especially because he's obviously, I mean, just the combine numbers speak for themselves. He's a better athlete than Andrew Luck too. So we kind of want to see that in action. Uh, Going back to Bryce Young a little, let's backtrack a little. So I, I think that there is, Still, hope for Bryce Young. I'm not going to completely write him off quite yet. It is some growing pains, obviously, as you mentioned, for a rookie quarterback, but the, the size concern has been mentioned as well. You know, the fact that he's also had an injury within the first few weeks of his NFL career, processing speed just hasn't really been there for him. In a way, he's kind of looked a little overwhelmed through this first early going of the season. I kind of wonder how they're going to work on building that up, because I don't think this season is going to get better for the Panthers in terms of not getting blown out, not getting beat up. I mentioned in another video that I think Brian Burns might be on his way out because the Panthers, at a certain point, just also need to maximize trade assets. So they're still rebuilding this team and retooling this team as they go. So losing a DJ more, that sucks. That could have been a guy that Bryce young could use. You mentioned Christian McCaffrey losing him. That sucks. That could have been a guy that Bryce young could have used, but it's also just part of the game. It's trying to work the salary cap. It's trying to get younger, cheaper, talented players. Um, so it's just going to fall a lot of pressure on the GM and Reich. If, if Reich is going to have longer than a year to be able to draft players, Around Bryce Young that can fit his skill set. I, I would say it would only help for them to be back in the top five. But as you mentioned, they traded away a draft pick uh to get where they are here. So I, I don't know. It's that's probably the downside for the Panthers.
1: Yeah. I think the Panthers are your classic three-year project with a quarterback. You know how uh with like two-o, we were like year three the big year for Tua, let's see what he can do. Or year three is the big year for Justin Fields. Like this is going to be a classic three-year project with Bryce Young. They are going to, over the next two years, accumulate talent that will hopefully support or not. They might not do that because they're the Panthers and they're just a poorly run organization. But they will try to accumulate talent around Bryce Young so that by year three, he has all of the support that he needs to reach his potential and make that big leap that we saw with Tua or we're starting to see with Justin Fields or counterpoint we didn't see with Baker Mayfield. (laughs) So that's kind of where Bryce Young is. And that's different than the other rookie quarterbacks. Richardson, the Colts have a puncher's chance of winning the AFC South this year. So like they're trying to balance developing Richardson with also hey, we could probably win the AFC South this year if the Jaguars open the window for us. Uh, And and with the Texans, uh, Stroud might be kind of like Justin Herbert, where like right out the gate, you see the results, you see that he's a franchise quarterback, and then you can work from there. Like with Stroud, we've already seen the results that he might be a 10-year franchise quarterback. With with Bryce Young, it's going to be a classic three-year building project. uh, And uh, who knows? The Panthers might support him, they might not. Uh, you're a bigger Adam Thielen guy than I am. I don't think that that's a long-term shot well, at a number one yes, receiver. But obviously
0: it's not. Obviously, Adam Thielen can't be your wide receiver one forever because Adam Thielen's old. Adam Thielen's old, but he still gets it done. He would be great as a wide receiver, too, on a team that was built to win now. The Panthers decided to offer him all the money in the world that they could to get him, and that's where we are right now with Adam Thielen being the number one wide receiver in Carolina. They need... I don't know, like Minnesota, they need a Stephon Diggs. They need a Justin Jefferson to pair alongside him. You know, they could have really used a Marvin Harrison Jr. Doesn't look like they're going to have an opportunity to go get that guy. (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, you know,
1: like exactly right. Like what if, what if they had, what if they had been at the top of the draft and could have picked Brock Bowers this year? Like, what if you could have gave Bryce Young Brock Bowers? That would have been so awesome, but they had to trade all of their draft picks to get Bryce Young in the first place simply because they couldn't tank correctly. They just, they're incapable of tanking correctly. That's been the Panthers motto for four years now.
0: It, it's going to be funny knowing that they also made this trade with the bears, because normally you would look at the bears and think, Oh man, this team is this going to be like one of the greatest draft heist in NFL history. But then you remember the team that got all the assets and picks out of it was the bears. And we don't trust them to actually make it happen. I guess if they get Caleb Williams, sure. Uh, that's also going to be a weird situation in its own right. Certainly depending on what Justin Fields does the rest of the year and try and figure that out that mess. But Yeah, it it might just be ultimately a lose-lose trade if this Bryce Young thing just doesn't work for Carolina in general. Maybe, hey, Bobby Slowick, when he gets his NFL head coaching job, maybe it's in Carolina and they can work from there, putting Bryce Young in essentially the (laughs) Shanahan family offense that continues to dominate the NFL. Because again, CJ Shroud, he seems to be benefiting from that. We talk about it every year, right? Kevin O'Connell just making the Vikings offense look amazing. Uh, Sean McVay, LaFleur, Shanahan, all these guys coming out of these offenses. Mike McDaniels, can't forget about the shining example this year, the league's favorite son this year. Mike McDaniel looking amazing. I I guess when Bobby Sloak gets his chance, who knows? If you're Bryce Young, maybe it's with me and maybe that's lucky for you. Okay, so the Stillers, three and two, coming off a huge win against their bitter rival, the Baltimore Ravens. Every time the Ravens, the Steelers go head to head, you know it's gonna be a knockdown, slug fest, weird result of a game. And the Steelers have just been found themselves in a number of weird result games dating back to last year. Kyle, I know that you are just mesmerized by what is going on in Pittsburgh. We start off week one. We think they're one of the worst teams in the league. And here they are again three and two with two wins against division rivals it's it's insane man hail to Mike Tomlin to
1: be so infuriating to be a Baltimore Ravens fan because the Baltimore Ravens are clearly good all of the evidence and all the data backs up the Ravens are a good team it just has to be so infuriating that in that game where they should have scored like 34 points had two drop touchdowns that led to zero points on drives like being a Ravens fan just has to be so infuriating at this point because Pittsburgh I don't understand how Pittsburgh won that game not even a little I don't even understand Understand how Pittsburgh wins any of these games.
0: Can I give you and an answer? I look up, Can I give you an answer? It. It's TJ Watt. What TJ Watt is doing for that team, he is single handedly winning them some of these games. Heck, even in the Niners game, he was out there forcing fumbles, two sacks. Brock Purdy has looked amazing for the majority of this year. And the only time I think I've seen him look human this year is when TJ Watt was chasing after him. And that's what's happening right now in Pittsburgh. What the potential DPOY this year is doing. And Watt has been nothing short of sensational.
1: But Juju, you know what the craziest part is, is going into the Ravens game, the Steelers were 29th in passing defense. They were 26th in rushing defense. Like, the Steelers' defense isn't good. And yet they somehow just keep winning these ridiculous games with pick sixes and turnovers in the red zone. Honestly, it's baffling. The Steelers are 9-4 in their last 13 games going back to last year. A team that I said before they went 9-4... and four, was terrible. I said the whole purpose of last season was to develop Kenny Pickett. And somehow, despite the fact that we have no evidence that Kenny Pickett is an NFL quarterback, they have gone nine and four in their last 13 games. And they've only scored 22 points on offense in like three of those games. (laughs) Like, I simply don't understand how the Steelers are doing this.
0: In spite of Matt Canada, you know, it goes kind of into the Patriots territory Where I kind of feel as though, do I give Bill Belichick credit for being able to overcome the bad roster that he himself has built? Do I give Mike Tomlin credit for being able to overcome the OC that he's installed in his own team? The fact that he's hired Matt Cannon and said, you know what, I'm going to keep this guy. I think the evidence is in. That Matt Canada is, at best, one of the most mid-coordinators in the league. At worst, a guy that doesn't belong in the league. And I think he's closer to does not belong in the league as an offensive play caller. Did you see the video that was trending of him almost disappointed on Kenny Pickett's game-winning touchdown? As if he was upset that Kenny Pickett called the wrong play and it ended up being a touchdown? He's like, damn it, I wanted to kick a field goal on this drive. What? Like, what is this? What is going on there?
1: Matt Canada is verifiable proof and I said this last year when everyone was trying to hire Cliff Kingsbury I'm like there's just not enough offensive coordinators in the NFL just not enough people who know how to call plays in the NFL and Matt Canada is verifiable proof of that the Steelers have been like the 30th ranked offense this season and still are three and two their defense hasn't even been that good at stopping teams from moving down the field and yet they're still three and two I don't know whether they're going to keep this going in that direction but They've now won games against both divisional opponents who you would have said were probably better than Pittsburgh. By the way, this is coming from someone who said at the start of the year, I thought Pittsburgh was going to win 11 games or 10 games this year. Their over-under was nine and a half. I thought they would exceed the nine and a half. I didn't think they'd do it while having a below-average offense and a below-average defense. Like I didn't think that was the equation for getting there. I thought Najee Harris was going to be fantastic this year. He has been quietly like the most disappointing player in the nfl this season (laughs) just giving you nothing for a first round running back we all know is super talented and yet they're still three and two
0: Well, I mean, okay, let's break apart how they got to this three and two mark. So again, I mentioned in week one they get torn apart by the Niners. It was kind of an expected result. Although I did give them a little bit of chance in that game because I said week one, every team gets amped up for week one. So there's a chance that they could win this game. I was completely wrong and I was satisfied that I was wrong because the Niners rolled in that game. Okay, so you go into week two, right? So Stillers, they need a win. They desperately need a win. Enter their favorite punching bag, the Cleveland Browns. And Deshaun has started picking it up um, over the last couple weeks, aside from like he missed last week because of injury, whatever happened there. But still, he hadn't quite figured it out yet. That Monday night game, I want to say it was Monday night, right? Just an awful kind of middling performance by both teams, but they won the ugly scrap fest that was. Okay. Then you go to the Raiders. Josh McDaniels forgets how to math. That's essentially what happens in that game. Oh, you mean I'm down eight? Let me just kick a field goal. He pulled a Matt Canada there. That's what Josh McDaniels did essentially. Josh McDaniels Big forgot how to math, math. Forgot how to math, and the Steelers ended up uh, winning that game, albeit they had a huge lead. So I'm not going to completely dismay that the the Raiders were in comeback mode anyway. Um, Houston, see. <laughs> I don't know what happened to Houston, but at this point, I'm ready to start to say that CJ Stroud is really good at football. So I think that we may just be seeing a young quarterback ascend and the Steelers were the victim of that result. So going to week five, I mentioned it, it's Baltimore. It's a division opponent. We've seen Baltimore and Pittsburgh go neck and neck for years. It doesn't matter how good Baltimore or how bad the Steelers are or how good the Steelers are and how bad Baltimore is. You know, it's going to be a close game. That's what we got in week five. The Stillers ended up winning it. And as you mentioned, if you're Baltimore, you're just left hanging your head, scratching it, wondering what the hell is going on right now with my team. But the Steelers here three and two. So they get the bye week, right? They come back, Rams, Jaguars, Titans. You know, I mean, these are three good teams in their own right. I mean, but I think a two and one is doable in that stretch. And suddenly we're talking about a five and three team that's still in front in the AFC North.
1: It's funny, first of all, that you said that about the Texans because my entire analysis of the Texans is C.J. Stroud's pretty good, huh? And your entire analysis was C.J. Stroud's a pretty good quarterback. So, yeah, we both believe the exact same thing about the Texans, which is just C.J. Stroud's pretty good. From the Steelers standpoint, the thing that was so weird about this result in particular is Baltimore was so much clearly a better team than them. From start to finish, Baltimore clearly had more talented players, despite the fact a third of their team was injured. Baltimore clearly was doing what they wanted on offense. And somehow the last, what would that be, 37 minutes of the game, they had zero points, despite the fact they were consistently in the red zone, despite the fact they had receivers open in the end zone that dropped passes. Somehow they scored zero points in the final 37 minutes of that game which it didn't, it didn't make any sense. I mean, they had three turnovers. Lamar fumbled the ball in the red zone. They had a turnover on downs five times. They had the ball in Pittsburgh side of the field. It resulted in zero points. That's the thing that's made it so difficult to wrap my head around is just that Baltimore is so much clearly a better team than Pittsburgh. And it it just didn't matter. And I mean, you mentioned the next opponents for Pittsburgh and, and it was the I believe it's the Rams, the Jaguars, and the Titans. Those are all games that I say off the top of my head, the Steelers will be underdogs. And yet at the same time, those are all winnable games for Pittsburgh. So a team that, according to my favorite stat, SRS ranking is uh, exactly mid right now. Like the most mid team in the NFL is three and two. And there's no reason I can't see them getting to five and three at the end of that month of October coming off the bye week. I I see no reason they can't be five and three going into November and five, three just might get them first place or a share of first place in the AFC North.
0: Yeah, because no one's taking control in this AFC North at the moment. Uh, We see this two and three Bengals team that who knows if Burroughs injury is going to become a thing again. Uh, Obviously he looked great against the Cardinals, but I mean, the Cardinals, looking great against the Cardinals should not be something that you're super jazzed about. I mean, that should be an expectation if you're a team that entered the year with Super Bowl aspirations like the Cincinnati Bengals did. And I don't know if that that's going to be a reoccurring issue. Obviously, you proved he could beat Baltimore. You mentioned all the weirdness that happened in that game on Baltimore's front. But if the Steelers can prove that they beat in Baltimore, which they have, then there's no reason I shouldn't believe that you could beat them again. Then the Browns, great defense, which Deshaun Watson are we going to see? I think in division, seeing what the Steelers are doing, I would be encouraged if I was a fan that they were able to survive the first five games of the season and go into the bye week three and two. And now coming off this bye week too, right? You get a chance to kind of re-energize, say, okay, we won the first quarter of the season here for us, right? We won the first half of the season before the bye week going three and two. We have a winning record to this. Why can't we just be a winning team again? And again, I just can't help but mention the Mike Tomlin stat. It's just so fascinating. A coach that just has not had a losing record in the NFL, and it's looking like he's bound to do it again.
1: And everything you just said is why um, we made it back to the place that I started this thing. It must be so goddamn am infuriating to be a Baltimore Ravens fan right now because you see all the evidence that this team is so good. They beat the crap out of the Texans, a Texans team that beat the crap out of the Steelers. You've seen the evidence. They were better than the Steelers all game long. This is why it must be so infuriating to be Baltimore, because you know that your team is great and you also know that your team is not great enough. And that's kind of been the story of Baltimore for the last four seasons now your team is great. You have all this talent up and down the roster and you're also not great enough. Cause you know, injuries are going to get in the way and you know, there's going to be a timely dropped pass or a timely fumble or a timely interception that ends up costing you the game. Like it's just gotta be so infuriating to be a Baltimore Ravens fan at this point, because They are the best team in that division running away. The Bengals, the Bengals don't look like this just because Joe Burrow is hurt. There are other things that have come back to bite Cincinnati. Cleveland, I don't think they're good enough. Baltimore is clearly best team in this division, and yet Pittsburgh's in first place. Again, it's got to be infuriating to be a Baltimore fan, and it's got to feel great at this point to be Pittsburgh, because not only are you 3-2, and the two results that you flipped that you should have lost came against your division opponents, right? They should have lost that Monday night game and they should have lost to Baltimore. And you flip those L's into dubs and it's a season changing result for you.
0: And if you're a Steelers fan and you're thinking about like, what can this team do to get better? Just trying to figure out like, where is the spots that they can fix? You mentioned their defense has been underperforming this season. Who is that piece that we go and get that can make them better, right? can I get another edge rusher alongside TJ walk Can I get a Brian Burns, if he's available on the trade market, that would be outstanding. Um, I, I still think that they should fix up their offensive line if possible. If there's any talented offensive linemen, they could just give Kenny Pickett any more time to work. I think that that should be a priority. I still think this team could benefit from another pass catcher as exciting as I think George Pickens is, and they had to go this last week without Fryermouth. Muth. I, I feel as though if there is any improvements that can be made from a playmaking standpoint, I think that that's really what the Steelers need. They need a playmaker because you mentioned Najee Harris and his inability to be that on this team when it looked like he could have been an all-world playmaker, three down, running back a couple years ago. Since he's not that, I need someone like that. That's that's kind of like where the Steelers team is because as we mentioned, they are in the mid. They are just firmly in the mid of the NFL, but I think that there are moves to be had that could elevate them and truly define them as a uh, AFC North favorite contender, right? If they could just make those incremental moves that their division opponents aren't making, I think that there's still hope for the Steelers team to elevate themselves from the mid to a true definitive playoff team.
1: I'm not ready to completely write off Najee Harris yet. Like, if you think they're short a playmaker, that's Najee Harris. Like, that is the person who should be that playmaker. He should be someone who can break off explosive plays, someone they can use in the passing game other than Jalen Samuels. Like, I'm not ready to write off Najee Harris completely yet. Part of that is because he's on my fantasy team. But also, I believe in Najee Harris because he's just the greatest physical specimen at the position I used to say since Derrick Henry, now that Bijan Robinson's in there, like those are like the physical specimens that are so unique in the sport Uh, on the defenses of the ball. I agree with you. Minka Fitzpatrick has not been the player that he was uh, three or four years ago when they were 12 and 0 to start the season. Devin didn't turn into something. He's now gone on defense. I think they probably need a piece or two still Uh, on offense. I think it's just a byproduct of they're not using the pieces in the kitchen correctly. I mean, it sucks that Deontay Johnson got hurt and and maybe they could use like like a third receiver in a trade, uh, go and get like a Josh Reynolds or something. But I think the that offensively, the pieces are there. They're just not really putting them together correctly. And maybe maybe part of that's Kenny Pickett, maybe part of that's Matt Canada. I don't know exactly what it is, but on defense, I think I agree with you. I think they're one or two pieces away on defense from having a unit as good as they had a couple of years ago
0: just looking around here, trying to find a Deontay Johnson update. I'm pretty sure he wasn't hurt for the entire year. I think there's a chance they might actually get him back. Correct me if I'm wrong, but have you seen a new report yet on his status?
1: I just know he went on injured reserve, which is I think six weeks now. Yeah. Targeting week six return.
0: Okay. So that's kind of like where the Steelers are. So, Hey, you get a bye week here. So if you get Deontay Johnson back, that's going to be great. But one thing I would say about Deontay Johnson is I still don't think he fits that mold of playmaker. I'm talking about like, again, Pickens is outstanding. I think Pickens is a playmaker, but I think they just need more explosion in this offense. Um, And again, part of that is Matt Canada sucks. (laughs) That's just part of that is Matt Canada's (laughs) ability to coach this offense. And that's not getting fixed this year. It's been very evident that the Steelers have no intention of moving off of Matt Canada so we just progressed through the season. That's what Steelers fans have had to begrudgingly do as fans is cheer for this team, knowing damn well Matt Canada is going to be calling their plays. So I feel sorry for anyone that wears the yellow and black because of that.
1: So here's the best example I can give you. George Pickens should be their DK Metcalf. Deontay Johnson should be their Tyler Lockett. That's what that offense should look like if they had a competent coordinator and a quarterback that was capable of running the offense in a way that gets those players the same level of production as those two guys. You may forget Deontay Johnson was a pro bowler with the uh, rotting corpse of Ben Roethlisberger one of those seasons. So Deontay Johnson has the ability and the skill set. They should be DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in Pittsburgh they are not that because that offense is constipated. I don't know how they fix it. I don't know if it's Pickett. I don't know if it's Canada. I don't know if it's Najee Harris. I don't know what the combination is, but I think they have the pieces on offense to to have at least a competent offense. They should not be ranked 30th in the league on offense. That is definitely the truth. I don't think they could be like a top 10 offense. They should be competent.
0: I didn't think it was going to get as ugly as it has got in New England, but three points through the last two weeks, that's pretty ugly. That's pretty damn miserable. I didn't think it was going to get worse than a season where you literally don't have an offensive coordinator and you can't score points to gain a guy who at one point at least was a well-respected offensive coordinator and you score even less points. It's disgusting right now. And Mac Jones, I know you were never high on him. I didn't love him coming into the league, especially when the possibility of him being a 49er was on the table. But as I sit here today in 2023 and look at Mac Jones, I am so glad he's not in San Francisco. What say you, Kyle?
1: Well, I mean, the guy the 49ers ended up with didn't turn out much better, so I don't know exactly how thrilled or not (laughs) thrilled you are with the Mac Jones-Trey Lance experiment.
0: I don't know what would have been the result. Now, Dan Orlovsky actually had a thing today that said, if Mac Jones was in the Niners' offense, he'd be doing what Brock Purdy's doing. But through three seasons of seeing Mac Jones, I don't know if I I trust that guy, even in this loaded offense for the 49ers. He just kind of, at this point, is striking me, for lack of better words, as a punk, I mean, you go to all the situations where people keep calling him a dirty player, the sauce gardener thing from a couple of weeks ago, and then there was a source close to Mac Jones that was saying, well, even the best cook with the worst ingredients can't cook, right? So you hear stuff like that, and you just start to question whether or not this guy really has the heart for it anymore, and maybe New England just beat him down. Who knows? Maybe New England just, just beat him down over the course of three years. Tom Brady was a different breed. He could handle the beating. You've talked about it in many of the books you've read about the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick era. He was able to take a lot of that beating from Bill Belichick. But through three seasons, Mac can't take it. He can't take New England. And I think if you're New England, you can't take any more Mac Jones. Whether it's Bailey Zappi or something, they just need to make a change. So I think you made a
1: pretty good point there where, yes, they did not support Mac Jones very well in part because they didn't give him an offensive coordinator. They gave him Matt Patricia. Uh, Maybe if Daniels had stayed for all three years, it would have looked different. Also, uh, this was circulating on Monday Night Football when Jacoby Myers was going off for the Raiders that Jacoby Myers and Juju Smith-Schuster got the exact same contracts and Jacoby Myers, who for, like, weeks couldn't find the end zone with the Patriots is now flourishing as a wide receiver too on the Raiders, while Juju Smith-Schuster has basically no stats this season for the Patriots. So, like, the Patriots signed Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, traded a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu, signed Juju Smith-Schuster, they've just failed at every turn to provide skill position players for Mac Jones and didn't give him a coordinator. At the same time, Mac Jones was never going to light up the league if he had been given proper assistance. Like I said during the preseason and stand by it still, like Mac Jones is a quarterback whose game is predicated on accuracy and he's not an accurate quarterback and he turns the ball over a lot. Like that's kind of a problem when that's what your game is built on. And so old Dennis Green joke, they are what we thought they were. Blake Jude, my friend who who's an NFL draft scout, had Mac Jones graded as a third round prospect. Mac Jones is playing like a third round prospect. Someone like a Kenny Pickett who was graded as a third rounder. Someone like a Drew Locke who was graded as a third rounder. That's what Mac Jones is performing like. It's just the hype machine that came around Mac Jones maybe being the third pick and the Niners potentially trading three first round picks for him. And then him being the replacing the guy who's replacing the guy in New England with Tom Brady, like everything around Mac Jones just got all out of control. The expectations were set in the wrong place. And now he's kind of a disappointment just because of where the expectations were set. But he hasn't been a terrible NFL quarterback. He's been a good starter. And once you have to pay him $25 million, we would prefer not to.
0: <laughs> I mean, can we talk about those expectations a little bit? Because if you're a Patriots fan, especially if you're a new generation's Patriots fan, basically our age, you got used to watching Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for 20 years. So to see Mac Jones out there Is infuriating to see a below average quarterback just trotting out there week after week and no definitive answers coming to his aid because I just don't see the recourse in this season for the Patriots. And I think that we're currently in blow-up mode because okay, they're one and four, right? I'm trying to find wins on the calendar for them. And I am struggling to find wins for this Patriots team. It's very bleak because when you talk about going through this last stretch of games and scoring again. Three points, three points. They cannot sustain a drive. Their defense is beat up. They're dog tired because they're just out there on the field the majority of the game, like 90% of the game. It feels like because three and out, three and out, three and out. I'm sure you saw the memes circulating of the stat of how many pick sixes Mac Jones has thrown in his young career versus Brady in the entirety of his career. Just appalling. And this is heck even worse than the Cam Newton solo year we got in New England because the offense at least had moments of excitement. This is a boring, generic, tired offense that it just hurts my eyes to watch as a football fan. I peeked into this game and I regretted every second I saw Saints versus Patriots on my TV. It was a bad experience to watch. Like it gave me trauma watching that game. I almost lost hope. And then my team decided to put up 42 on Sunday Night Football. And then all that hope was regained, of course.
1: (laughs) So the Patriots this season feel like a good example of the genius of Bill Belichick and the faults of Bill Belichick. And uh, Bomani Jones made a great joke that was basically like, if you want to know how long 20 years of dominance as a head coach buys you, it's three years and four weeks. That's how much being a great head coach buys you in the NFL. But look, the New England Patriots have not been top 20 in the NFL in offensive DVOA since Cam Newton's first game as a Patriot, since week one of 2020. That was the last time New England was ranked top 20 in the NFL on offense. And so what's interesting for the Patriots right now is that for years, they were able to sustain success despite never having a good offense. It was the Patriots back in 2021, Mac Jones's first season, that made the playoffs. Remember that they they made the playoffs. They gave up 45 points to the Buffalo Bills, but they did make the playoffs that year. And they did have
0: Pro Bowl Mac Jones. I should last add. year.
1: Oh yeah, that's right, Pro Bowl Mac Jones, right there with Pro Bowl Tyler Huntley. Right, the, <laughs> Pro Bowl. Both of them were, were in the Pro. Bowl. Yeah, exactly. They were bottom 20 in the league, but still had a Pro Bowl quarterback, which is just because 10 people said no. But what's interesting is that last year, even though the Patriots finished 8-9, and they were top five in the league in defensive DVOA until about the last couple weeks of the season. And that defense was made up of like... Jabril Peppers a guys who were cut by the Miami Dolphins, and they still have a top five defense. And the reason you're seeing such a, a fallback this year is one, the offense has not improved. In fact, the offense has gotten a little bit worse from last year. And two, everyone on that defense is hurt for the Patriots, just injuries decimating across the team. And Because the defense isn't able to get stops, you're seeing 71 to three point margins over the last two weeks, two of the worst losses of Bill Belichick's career. And in SRS ranking, which is, again, if you take every team in the league, pit them against a league average opponent on a neutral field, what would their point spread be? Patriots would be 13 point underdogs right now and 30th out of 32 teams in the league. This team is not good. It doesn't have the talent to compete. But in fairness, they didn't have either of those things the last three years. This is just kind of a grossly exaggerated version of what the Patriots have been since Tom Brady's departure.
0: Okay, let's talk recourse here, because, again, this is close, if not at teardown mode. So, yeah, Bill Belichick here and Bill Belichick, he's been the head coach slash general manager for years now. He's established himself as both the cook, and the guy who goes out and does his own grocery shopping. Well, he's bad at picking the groceries. On offense, I'll still give him defense because you looked at what Christian Gonzalez was doing before he got hurt. Christian Gonzalez was stud. Matthew Judon, free agent pickup. Matthew Judon, before he got hurt, was a stud. Moving off J.C. Jackson a year early, great decision. Offensively, you mentioned it. Kendrick Bourne, letting Jacoby Myers walk, a Devontae Parker, a whole mesh of talented wide receiver threes just getting thrown into the offense and being expected to flourish as wide receiver ones. That's kind of what the Patriots have turned into with Bill Belichick running the offensive search for weapons. I think that needs to change. If we're going to continue to keep the Patriots, Bill Belichick marriage together, that needs to change. And maybe it starts with an ultimatum season, ultimatum season, Bill, we love you. We don't want to move on. We don't want to end this partnership, but it's time. You have to cede some control. And Bill Belichick, we know that he's established himself as the greatest coach of all time. He's earned his ego. But if Bill can't take that ultimatum and kind of accept that this is the place they're in, then that's when the Patriots have to force his hand and say, All right, Bill, you don't want a GM? Well, guess what? You're retiring. But no, Mr. Kraft, I'm not ready to retire. No, 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 Bill, you're retiring. Bob, I'm not ready to retire. Bill, you're retiring. (laughs) That's what the conversation needs to be, because if Bill can't accept that he needs a GM at this point, then you need to start looking for options outside of Bill Belichick as the head coach of the New England Patriots. And I I mentioned a trade possibility, something crazy. I threw it by you guys in the group chat, but I'm going to throw it out here again. I look at the Los Angeles Chargers right now, and you know I have been hypercritical of Brandon Staley. They are a head coach away. They have a one, one of the top five quarterbacks in the league right now in Justin Herbert in tr- terms of sheer talent. They have offensive playmakers on the field. They have a defense that has been underperforming for years. Why not get the greatest defensive mind in football history to go reshape your locker room? And the offense, you can figure it out. Hell, keep Kellen Moore there to call plays. Kellen Moore, Bill Belichick added together. That sounds pretty awesome to me. If I'm the Chargers right now, what can I offer? Hey, Patriots, you want Austin Eckler? Hey, Patriots, you want a first round draft pick, a second round draft pick? We'll make it happen. We need a coach. You have a coach. Let's make it happen. I think the Chargers should trade for Bill Belichick.
1: So here's where this is going to fall apart. Not specifically the Chargers thing, but just the idea of moving on from Bill Belichick. One, Bill Belichick is too good for that job. (laughs) Bill Belichick is too good for going to be the coach of the Chargers with Kellen Moore. Now, if Kellen Moore wants to go be the offensive coordinator of the Patriots, now we could have a conversation. But I don't think that's going to happen with the Chargers. Bill Belichick has this job security because the odds of them finding another Bill Belichick are so astronomically small that you have to have So much gall to think that you can do it again. And it doesn't even have to be Bill Belichick in terms of the levels of success. We will probably never see anything like what, well, Kansas City's going to try, but we will probably never see anything quite like what New England was and what New England built pre-Tom Brady, during Tom Brady's Prime, and then the back end of Tom Brady where they still managed to win two championships without an MVP level Tom Brady. I guess Tom Brady won an MVP the year they lost the Eagles. They're so like one championship, non MVP Tom Brady. And they are not going to be able to find something as good as what Bill Belichick is. And so that's the quagmire that they find themselves in. The odds of trying to replace the Patriot way are so difficult and so astronomical that they might just keep digging their heels in for more seasons. And I don't think that anything will change. I don't think there's real recourse there. They are invested in Belichick. Robert Kraft is a smart owner. Robert Kraft knows where his bread is buttered and where it has been for years now. He's never had a good relationship with Bill Belichick, and yet Bill Belichick delivers the results, and Robert Kraft knows what he has there. If they try and move on from him, we know they're not going to be able to find another Bill Belichick, right? There's not a whole lot of talent that makes this job appealing. No one wants to be the guy who replaces the guy, right? No one wants that. No one wants to be the guy who replaces the guy.
0: That's literally where the Patriots find themselves in with Mac Jones replacing Tom Brady. I mean, there was Cam Newton in between, but replacing Tom Brady. But you mentioned an interesting statement there where Robert Kraft knows that his bread is buttered. The bread is Bill Belichick. The butter was Tom Brady. You are out of butter, and you've been trying to replace it with that I-can't-believe-it's-not-butter crap. That's what Mac Jones has been. You've been trying to put some margarine on that piece of toast for years, and it turns out you're just smushing it into the dough. You're just kind of like breaking apart that piece of bread. Um, At at this point, you know I I just don't think that Bill is going to ever find himself in a position to get another Tom Brady, right? Which, again, that's a million-to-one shot in itself, right? The fact that they were able to get Tom Brady – where they did, happy accident, pick 199. We know the story. We know the fairy tale. But their only option at this point, realistically, is to land themselves in the top five of an NFL draft, which I guess you would say they're on pace for this season, right? One and four, they can find themselves well within striking opportunity at a franchise quarterback, should it present itself whether that's in the form of Drake may because I just don't see them being bad enough to get Caleb Williams. When I look around and see the other States of other bad teams around the league. And yes, I think Mac Jones is a bad quarterback. Yes. I don't think Bailey Zappi is going to be huge improvement, but with the heart and soul of what is a Belichick team, the do your job culture, I I think it's still going to produce at least what three more wins this year. I'm struggling to find wins, but I'm sure there's going to be three more wins this year, whether that's beating the jets again or some late November game that we're not expecting, and they sneak up on someone, it's going to happen. So I just don't see them getting a Caleb. Why I again, the Belichick trade is, we know Belichick is great when he has a great quarterback. I need to get him another great quarterback. And if he wants to pass Shula, if he wants to end up as the all-time winningest coach in NFL history for his career, I think he should also kind of want to change as well. I know that there's the lore of the power that he has in New England, but even that's fading. I'm sure he reads the press. Bill Belichick will never tell you to your face that he reads the press, but he reads the press clippings. He knows what's going on in the world. He knows how people are viewing him ever since Tom Brady left and won a Super Bowl himself. And I think that he needs to retake the momentum. And the only way for him to do that is just to find a new pathway. I think finding a new pathway through finding another franchise quarterback, whether that's in New England or elsewhere, is the only opportunity for Bill Belichick moving forward.
1: I'm so interested by how these dynasties end, just because there's no clean way for these things to go, right? For every story of the Spurs, the Bulls, the Lakers, the Broncos, there's no clean way for these things to end. And you can just be wandering in the desert for years, waiting for these things to sort themselves out. For the Patriots at this point, like, you need to fall into a rebuild you need to retool this thing but they were just so sustainable for so long that it's weird to say those words and I can't fancy a coach on the market that would be more of a sure thing to turn this thing around than Bill Belichick I mean it's like with Popovich and the Spurs right like the Spurs know to keep Popovich around they know the value that he adds the problem is the players on the team power dynamics are what they are and I think we're just going to ride this out until Bill Belichick has decided he doesn't want to keep doing it anymore
0: thank you for listening to believe